And welcome to Shift F1, a podcast about speedy race cars. I am Drew Scanlon. Uh, that, by the way, is Irish for something that Danny is going to tell me right now. It's uh, you have a lot of trust in me to write something phonetically in a in a Google Doc and then and then say you said it perfectly. Makara. You just said Happy St. Patrick's Day. Um, oh, cool. And it is St. Patrick's Day, and what a wonderful day. The whole world is green and indoors. Uh, Scanlon is uh, an Irish last name. It is. I know plenty uh, of Scanlons, and they all owe me money. (laughs) Well, uh, the Patreon payouts haven't come yet, so. Uh, Rob Zachney is also here. How are you doing, Rob? Not bad. Do you know any Brassels, Danny? Brassels? I don't think I know a Brassel. Hmm, Maybe we all left. (laughs) Where's Zachney from? That's a fantastic surname. Uh, so it is in one of those places that sometimes was considered part of Russia, sometimes part of Poland, sometimes okay. part of Ukraine. Uh, so just, <laughs> just one of, just, just a name from, from one of those happy places, uh, that lots of armies have tended to march back and forth o- over, uh, over the years. It's a very popular part of the world to take yeah. over. It, it, like, I, I consider my family's background as being uh polish uh but my mm. grandfather even acknowledged that there was a ukrainian branch of the family and uh but but certainly if you talk to a pole there's, there's absolutely no no doubt like zachny is a polish name uh, i love polish, so polish history is is such a interesting there's like a pocket there i think it didn't exist for 100 years at one stage it's uh i'm sure there's a there's a cloth map about it or coming uh well if you can't tell already we are filling time because maybe you haven't heard there's a weird virus sweeping the world and uh anything involving international baby (laughs) (laughs) sorry i've been offline for a little bit uh, uh, oh, you're, like, you're just like you're just like jared leto you're coming out of the the desert wondering what the fuck is is going on uh yeah so uh, I guess if you if you just happened upon our podcast, maybe you want to watch some Formula One. Although you know what, I'm going to say this: uh, if you're if you're here because you're looking for stuff to watch and you just heard about this Formula One thing, you should go listen to our preseason primer episode because it's very relevant. It is. Um, it assumes no prior F1 knowledge uh, and tells you how the sport works and who everybody is. And if you want to go listen to that, it's episode 96. What? Listen to that and then go watch. Um, I guess the the 2019 season. Uh, if you are really really starved for <laughs> starved for for content in your yeah, are we, we going to tell people not to watch Drive to Survive now because it will spoil the season, which is what they should watch. <laughs> is that what happens? Probably. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, I I guess actually no. Our preseason primer for how little Drive to Survive season two actually tells you about what's happening during the That's races a good themselves. Point. That's a uh, very which is why point. it actually works as a documentary, but nevertheless. Yeah. Uh, this show is, though, sponsored uh, or supported entirely by our audience over at patreon.com slash shiftf1, uh, where every month we release bonus podcast episodes exclusively for our patrons that cover racing documentaries and films, uh, primers for other series, a lot of weird stuff. So if you want to support the show and get access to all that fun stuff, in addition to our Discord channel, which is brand new and popping off at all yeah. times, day and night, uh, <laughs> head over to patreon.com slash shiftf1 or click the link in the show notes. Uh, we also uh, have early access to videos 
uh, for patrons because um, we re- sort of relaunched our YouTube channel. Um, Danny, you want to talk about all of that stuff that's been going yeah, on? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we put up an announcement video on our YouTube channel, which uh, you may have missed if you don't uh, follow, subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's at youtube.com slash shift F1. Uh, we used to do video stuff uh, before the podcast was called shift f1 while it was back on giant bomb Um, and one of the most popular things we did was track walks where we basically drove around the circuits in uh the video games and kind of um gave you know descriptions of the turns and whatnot and then tried to to set hot laps so we're doing that again this year regardless of the races or not Uh, we actually recorded a bunch uh last week which is just as well because now we're kind of stuck um obviously not being able to interact with each other in meat space much at all um so we've got a bunch of those coming the melbourne track walk is already up you can go check that out it's probably the only melbourne action you're going to see um uh, over the next week uh, and we even went so far as to get uh track walks done for hanoi and for zanfort um mm-hmm. by using and bahrain and, and bahrain as well uh, we used to set a course for some of that stuff. Uh, so yeah, thank you to everyone who's been supporting our Patreon. 877 patrons, it's our highest ever. Um, we have a, an unlock at 1,000 where we're going to do a race day. I'll be honest, was well, a big question mark over when we're going to be able to do that for the moment. Um, but also, we totally understand if people, you know, it's difficult financial times for folks at the moment. So we totally understand if you lapse. We're not going to be going anywhere, of course. Um, and thanks everyone to... Uh, for their patronage one of the cool things about all this patreon funding is that it's allowing us to do a bunch more videos so the track walks are there we're also doing uh i don't know what we're calling them but um racing game let's plays we recorded a bunch of those as well uh so there should be one up for early access patrons uh this week one on dirt 2 and the uh uh, drew's favorite rally game uh sort of the dirt the uh the the next uh, evolution of the Colin McRae franchise, which was on PlayStation for many years. Um, and we had a blast doing that. Um, and there'll be more of those coming. So check out, uh, and those videos are for everyone. So youtube.com slash shift F1 uh, if you want to check those out. And one other thing we did actually, just in relation to all this uh, COVID-19 stuff, obviously people are at home a lot more. Um, we were kind of playing with the idea of setting all the old videos public. And then on Sunday, we just pulled the trigger. So if you go to the YouTube channel, all of the F1 game history videos I did last year, which were uh, previously Patreon exclusives, are all uh, free to watch. And then also, I think the most important video, which is us doing the taste test of Daniel Ricardo's beer and also of Rich Energy. Uh, we did all that stuff um, last year. That's all public for people to check out as well. Boy, it's a whole lot. Uh, what's, uh, what's going on, Rob? I didn't even hear any of that. <laughs> so if you looked over my shoulder during, while you guys were talking, you may have seen a dog. <laughs> Behind me is where we've set up her, pa- uh, her pad. Uh-huh. Uh, so we don't have to take her out as much, uh, during, during lockdown. Right. And, um, we've been teaching her how to use it. And she did. Uh, she oh. used it just just right there. So you had to take a did little. Did she use it or did she twos it? Uh, she twos it. Uh, <laughs> so we had to take a little bit of a uh, a moment to to clear the clear the track, as it were. Wow! <laughs> wow! Wave double yellows in the uh, Rob Zachney household. Uh, get the racing references while you can, uh, because <laughs> they are dropping like flies. The flies that are soon to be swirling around Rob's apartment. Um, <laughs> yes, uh, it, it's hard to believe this was only a week ago that we were talking about the lead-up to the Australian Grand Prix. Yeah. Um, feels like a year ago. 
but uh, it was canceled due to the coronavirus. Um, a whole lot of dominoes fell uh, in the in the lead up to this. The there were team members from McLaren and Haas uh, who had to undergo tests before the Grand Prix. Um, McLaren actually having to withdraw from the event uh, as 14 members uh, of their team were, were quarantined. One McLaren team member did eventually test positive. Um, I think everybody else has been cleared, but I, I thought it was really cool uh, before heading to the airport to catch um, their flights back to the UK. Two McLaren team members went on a shopping mission. This is from the official F1 website. Uh, their haul included a couple of PlayStation 4 game consoles, a Nintendo Switch, a keyboard of the musical variety, a <laughs> dartboard, and some mini footballs, all for their team members <laughs> under quarantine. So wow, uh, that was really cool. Uh, Carlos Sainz also self-quarantined um, uh, just as a precaution. He, though, took a uh, was tested and does not have the coronavirus. So... Um, staff member at Pirelli also tested positive after being exposed somewhere during, uh, during Australia. Um, no drivers yet so far have been confirmed to have it. Although, uh, Lewis Hamilton was at an event last week with Idris Elba and Sophie Trudeau. Uh, Uh, like there's a picture of them standing together arm and arm. Wow. And both of those two, not Hamilton, uh, did indeed test positive for, uh, COVID-19 so he's untouchable man in on the racetrack and in life you just can't (laughs) can't get anywhere near him um the like I said there was a a lot of things that happened in the lead-up to the cancellation uh on Friday uh (laughs) there were early reports that Vettel and Raikkonen had already flown home before (laughs) practice did Kimmy just walk on his boat again I guess Um, but uh, interestingly, so Autosport uh, has like this play-by-play of uh, what went down uh, there. I felt really bad for all the reporters who were there, like staying up all night, uh, you know, saying the race is on, the race is not on, going back and forth and just scrambling, trying to figure out what was going on. Uh, F1 was not very forthcoming with any information. Mm. Um, apparently, four teams were in favor of running, uh, Mercedes, Red Bull, Alpha Tori, and Racing Point. Uh, and four clear that they would not. Uh, Ferrari, Alfa Romeo, Renault, and McLaren. Uh, this is from Autosport.com. With an effective tie, it was decided that Braun would have the casting vote in deciding which way things would go. He and, and uh, he and he was in favor of going through on Friday, at least before assessing the situation further. That motion was officially carried, and teams left the meeting believing that the event was going ahead. But then Toto Wolff, uh, Mercedes team principal received a phone call from his boss, Dommler CEO Ola Kalenius, uh, who wanted to discuss the impact of the coronavirus situation and what Mercedes should do with its F1 team. It is understood that while Kalenius left the final decision on matters down to Wolf, uh, so did not uh, order him to decide one way or the other, he did voice concerns about the deteriorating situation in Europe. Taking stock of the conversation, Wolf phoned Braun and then said that he was now voting against carrying on with the Melbourne. That's not weekend. how votes work. That's not how votes uh, work. That <laughs> meant there were only there were five teams ready to withdraw, which meant only ten cars would be available. And as Article uh, Five Point yes. Seven of F One Sporting Regulation states, as everyone knows, uh, oh, yeah. any event uh, may be canceled if fewer than twelve cars are available for it. So. It actually doesn't seem like, you know, in the interest of everyone's health, it probably makes sense not to run this. 
Uh, Rob, you you read this apology story from from Chase Carey of F one. Well, yeah, he issued he issued an apology, but uh, you know it's always it's always worth looking at what people actually apologize for, right? Like, what is the thing that you think you did wrong? Chase Carey's position seems to be, damn. You guys wanted us to be racing, and we're not racing. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Uh, which I think is the, like I think that's 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 a whiff. Um, that's not the thing that F1 did uh, the, that's wrong here. But the the way they lead off is first and foremost, our priority is the health and safety of the fans, teams, and organizations of Formula One as well as wider society. We apologize to those fans affected by the cancellation in Australia as well as the postponement of other races to date. These decisions are being made by Formula One. The FIA and our local promoters and rapidly changing and evolving circumstances, but we believe they are the right and necessary ones. We also want to extend our thoughts to those already affected, including those in the Formula One family. This frustrated me quite a bit because it probably shouldn't have come to this. It certainly shouldn't have come down to uh, Total Wolf getting a call from uh, Ola Kalanius basically saying, I'm not telling you what to do, but... I sure have misgivings about us being affiliated with a race that's about to happen in Australia and will likely become uh, regarded as a international disaster might be overstating it, but I don't know, like given the context of this thing and how spreadable this disease appears to be, had they gone ahead with the Australian GP that might have, that decision might've looked beyond criminal in two, three weeks time. Um, it, I'm shocked it came. I'm, I'm shocked it came down to that close to practice one uh, before they finally like yanked it. I mean, fans yeah, was, were lining up. Yeah, that was that was crazy. I, I, I did you either of you watch the press conference that they did sort of out in the open? Um, it was so bizarre. First of all, they kept handing the microphone between everyone, which seemed like a <laughs> cool. really stupid idea, and it was like crowds of journalists all uh, uh, surrounding them. Um, yeah, it was uh, that. That was the, the, in the local sort of Aussie press were basically talking a lot about that. The fact that fans were getting sent mixed messages. The fact that it sounded like it had been cancelled, like it the announce it had been announced by some sort of local authority that it was cancelled, like the mayor or something like that, before the FIA, like hours before they put out their one. So you know. These are crazy circumstances. We've never been in this type of situation before, so a certain amount of leeway I'm sure you could give. But yeah, I, I, I don't... I think my hope would be that they would learn from... The, acknowledge the mistakes that were made during the communication of this and, and just how late they were to the party on it. And hopefully we'll see them handle the future better. But yeah, I don't know. Who knows? We're sort of in, you know, new unknown territory here. Yeah, well, um, what what do we know, Danny, about the F1 season as it stands? It's It seems almost criminal to try and say where we are because <laughs> life moves so fast yeah. that by the time this has been published and we are afternoon, you know, in, in America on, on the 17th here on Tuesday, who knows? But the things that we know for sure is that a number of races have been postponed, a number more are likely to be postponed. Uh, and while the FIA has a preliminary date for when Formula One uh, is 
planning to come back, that's likely to change as well. So China has already been postponed. We knew about that before the season started. Um, they were obviously the uh, the country who was hit hardest and earliest um, by uh, COVID-19. Uh, Bahrain and Vietnam have since been postponed, um, which makes sense as well. Bahrain just is taking it very seriously. It's a, basically a microstate, and Vietnam, of course, is having a, a massive outbreak as well. Um, currently, the first race of the season is supposed to be the Dutch Grand Prix in Zandvoort on May 3rd, uh, but uh, the uh, the boss of that GP is basically... Um, you have to say his so name. Sure. Oh, do I really? Thank you, God. This is Thank you very much. His name is Jan Lammers. <laughs> Unjammy oh, yeah. Lammer. We've talked about him before, haven't we? <laughs> this is so. ringing a bell. <laughs> uh, this from uh, Autosport.com. Uh, Dutch Grand Prix boss uh, Unjammer Lammy has acknowledged uh, the race is unlikely to keep its May 3rd date, but is still waiting for clarity from Formula One and the FIA. Um, he Which said, is... Sorry. Sorry, go on. Uh, I was just Dutch- going to say, it's, it's, it's weird that <laughs> it's May 3rd and he's waiting for confirmation... Formula One and the FIA have said that they expect the championship to begin in Europe at the end of May. Yeah, which is... So what <laughs> What? What do you mean? Yeah, the, the line here is F1 and the FIA have, haven't said the Dutch Grand Prix has been cancelled for the initial date of the 3rd of May and initial, an official message is still pending. Of course, no one would be surprised if there was more... Uh, if there will be more clarity soon and if the Dutch Grand Prix will be rescheduled eventually. This is the first time they're not married to that date. I'm sure it's Zandvoort's first swing again this year. Uh, it's the first time it's been back in a little while. Um, but uh, we'll have to see. Uh, you know, it, it does look like we're looking at the end of May before racing starts at any stage. So we can probably take it for granted that Zandvoort's probably not going to happen. But if things stay bad in Europe, the first not exactly Europe race is in Baku on June 7th. Uh, Canada set for June 14th and then France on June 28th. Uh, It's so impossible to... Like, we're all probably in different places when it comes to this. I'm at at this stage, I think this season is a wash. I don't think we're going to see any racing. Um, Wow. Just looking at, I don't know, I've been listening for better or for worse. I always take my news from the UK and Ireland. That's my news sources. I think American news is bollocks. So I've never really uh, uh, listened to much of it. But And, and just looking where, where, like, where my friends are at the moment in London and where my you know uh, uh, family in Ireland and what they've been doing and how early we are in this you know, this curve they're talking about, you know, we're likely to be under these conditions domestically for, you know, three, four, five, six, maybe more months. So if that's the case, how are they ever going to have events? Events are like the last thing that are going to come back. Like the way we saw big events being canceled over, you know, less than 500 people, less than 100 people. Now we have the administration over here saying less than 10 people. At the same time, like for them to put the races together, regardless of the crowds, just having like the, you know, a pit stop is more than that many people, you know, and they're traveling in and out of countries which are going to be on lockdown. Like some of these countries we're talking about, like Germany, I know there's no Grand Prix this year, but they've closed their borders. America's closing their borders. I can't fly home to Europe now for God knows how long. Um, it's, uh, it, we're just in such a crazy spot right now that I, I cannot see of all the things F1 being able to weather this. And I guess, you know, we're going to be covering the news over the next couple of weeks, the next couple of months 
at what stage does it just become untenable? At what stage do they say, all right, we've cancelled half the season. The 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 theoretical way to fit any of these races in or like business deals or, you know, force majeure clauses kick in at a certain stage and they can just wash their hands of it, certain sponsors or certain uh, racing circuits. So it's it just seems crazy at this stage to say that we'll be coming back for racing in June when basically every other major sporting event that's happening in the world has been cancelled the euros have been cancelled today like there's no way they're going to let uh, major sports happen in europe during the summertime i'm sure um uh, drew did you have this little section in here before we get to the uh, yeah calendar? well uh for uh what it's worth f1 does seem to be at least partially refunding people for f1 tv um i don't know if that's going to turn into a full refund if the whole season gets cancelled but uh I have seen reports of people getting like a few bucks back on their credit card <laughs> yeah. or whatever. Yeah, a bunch of people were posting their uh, emails they got in the uh, in the Shift F1 Discord. I think Chain Bear got £2.50 or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't get one, so I don't know what's going on there. Yeah, neither did I. Um, so it, there are, like we said, this is a, a constantly evolving uh, situation and we will be we'll talk a little bit more about our what our plan is for the podcast but we will be coming back periodically uh, to update on the news and 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 what's you know what the plan is um, but right now Danny what is the what's like the current snapshot of rumors and and yes. official announcements and etc what could the season look like as okay, at, at, at time of printing, uh, we have a couple of things to, to sort of lean on. Uh, Chris Medlin, freelance F1 journalist, um, has a quote here saying, teams are all set to agree on a mandatory three-week shutdown starting next week that must be taken by the end of April, replacing the summer break. Um, and then I guess the extension of that being that, uh, I think it was Ross Braun said there are, could possibly be the scrapping of the summer break, which will be used to filter in some of those uh, races. Uh, this is from autosport.com. Uh, F1 managing uh, of motorsport Ross Braun is confident, however, that there will be time to pull the calendar together, although it will likely have to run through August. I think we'll be freeing up the August break. We give ourselves several weekends where we can race, he told Sky F1 in an exclusive interview. And I think we can build a pretty decent calendar for the rest of the year. It will look different, but it will still preserve a good number of races, and they're exciting races. So the season's going to start later. But I think it will be just as entertaining. Um, so I guess the uh, Autosport put together a provisional look at what that might, what the calendar might look like. Yeah. If you were to a cram theoretical one. Yes. Uh, these twenty races um, uh, into the calendar. So what we'd be looking at would be uh, returning on the seventh of June to Baku, and then immediately going to Canada uh, the following week. Then there would be a week break. Then we'd be in France on June 28th. Personally, I think we should just cancel that one anyway, but whatever. <laughs> uh, and then going to Spa on July 5th. Uh, another break. Uh, Austria then, on July 5th. Oh, sorry, Austria. Sorry. Um, then a break on July 12th. And then we have a triple header, the first of uh, a number of them, two of them, I think, uh, which would be Britain, um, Spain, Budapest, um then another break zanvoort another break back on august 30th uh, in spa monza and september 6th uh, italy of course the hardest city in europe currently um then another break september 20th singapore followed by russia on september 27th bit of a 
uh, hike there between the two of them. Uh, October 4th, another break. Then Japan on the 11th, another break. Then a triple header on a quadruple header to finish it out. Uh, the triple header starting October 25th with USA, then Mexico the following week, then Brazil. I can see the line there. That makes sense. And then the next one uh, also kind of makes sense too. November 22nd would be China, then Vietnam, and then a, a double, which I now that I see it written down, I don't know why we don't do this every year, December 6th in Bahrain and the following week in Abu Dhabi, considering you can basically drive between us two. It'll take you a day, but they're pretty close to each other. Um, I wonder why we, we don't do that usually. Um, so that's kind of... Uh, that's kind of how it's going to shake out. Um, another, I mentioned Italy is obviously having a, a massive um, outbreak there. And, uh, you know, I, I, somebody linked me a, a website where you could check out uh, webcams across Italy. And it's spooky. It's, it's like some 28 days later yeah. nonsense. It's, it's just web- drone footage. Yeah, just empty. Empty Trevi Fountain, empty Vatican, just um, absolutely nobody out. Uh, obviously having a massive impact on... Uh, the society in Italy and one of the uh, knock-on effects from an F1 perspective is um, the Ferrari garage suspending F1 and road car production in their factory for two weeks. Um, uh, so the Maranello has been uh, has been closed for now and if it's anything like other parts of the world, that two week will most likely be extended. Um, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, while we're talking about Ferrari, Rob, you mentioned before we started that you think you know what the issue was that we've everyone's been talking around in relation to the 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 fine or the agreement that they had with the F. With, uh, well, let me F1. clear. I read a Dieter Rankin article that helped me make sense of it, but I finally figured okay. out like. But I did realize like it is being described as an aliasing issue, which is aliasing. How for, yeah, and it is what it's what you think. Uh, so, the graphics look real smooth on the edges. Well, it's about what it's about what aliasing actually is, right? It's a okay. it's a, a like momentary sample of a continuous signal. Uh, right. So you're not you're not producing the actual signal. You're taking like a snapshot, and the fuel flow sensor took a lot of snapshots. Twenty two hundred times a second, the fuel flow meter in the old F one cars. Uh, took a picture of how much fuel was uh, flowing past it. But apparently, it was theoretically possible to basically pulse the fuel flow to get inside that sample. You are kidding. That is what it it sounds like Ferrari figured out how to do. Uh, So, so Rangan's article, uh, like... One of the reasons things that reveal reveals what happened is that now the fuel flow sensor has changed and now there's two of them. And once ah. you saw that, that kind of gave the game away as to what right. what it is they, they're they're troubleshooting. Uh, but according to Rankin Source, um, <laughs> I can't I can't believe you could pulse fuel like that accurately to to spoof yeah. the sensor. Uh, but people figured that. You could get 50 brake horsepower potentially from doing this, which is nuts to me. Like 50 brake horsepower at this level <laughs> is a, like a remarkable amount of power uh, to gain from doing something like this. And the, and the the thing that sort of confirms this is probably what it, what it was is that it was Red Bull asking specifically if this was allowed that immediately got a technical directive from the FIA before the USGP saying, no, in fact, it wouldn't be allowed. And that's when Ferrari's pace kind of fell off. 
But so Jeez. the thing is, like what they're describing by like putting in the second sensor, uh, they're super sampling the fuel rate uh, to an extent, right? Like you're getting a more accurate picture of if you're if you're averaging these two sensors, I, I suspect you were getting a much more accurate picture of what the actual fuel rate, uh, fuel flow rate was inside the car and you don't get the artificial like line that you get just off of uh, a, a single a single sensor uh, but the other part of this that I that I did find really curious is the manufacturer of the new sensor says that in addition to the second sensor um, incorporating anti-aliasing technology uh, <laughs> amazing it, it also um they put a Voodoo Two in there. <laughs> yeah, pretty, yeah, pretty, it's that's what 3DFX is doing right now. Uh, that's this is really going over the heads of all the non-gamer listeners we have right now. <laughs> uh, so, in addition to randomizing when the thing takes its measurements, um, it also encrypts the data and sends it to the FIA. And I'm not sure if it sends it directly to FIA and then the team gets the data, or whether it's like CCing to both, but. The notion that the informa- the data itself were being encrypted and sent to FIA also made me a little bit curious. Like, was there concern around, A, uh, people accessing the data illegally, which would probably be a concern that the teams might have, or B, was there concern on the FIA's part that teams would have sensors not report accurate or correct data to the FIA? Right. Because yeah. that, that, that becomes a second issue, right? If it's one thing to fool the sensor... It is another if the FIA is also concerned that teams are able to basically send them bogus, like Potemkin data uh, on 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 what the cars are doing, and so that just became a note that I'm I'm curious about. Uh, I I have no idea in general. Like the you know best practice uh, is probably to encrypt everything that's going to have some proprietary info about something, but I just find that note uh, kind of interesting, given that this entire new procedure is in response to somebody getting around uh, the fuel flow regulations. God, it's funny how whenever, so often when we're talking about this stuff, there's that... What, what 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 how do we describe it again there's the sort of the 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 letter of the law and the spirit of the law and so mm-hmm. often they do things to contravene that spirit like you know Step one baby they're not really breaking the law by not setting off the fuel sensor, but they are definitely breaking the spirit of what it's meant to be doing yeah. by doing that. Uh, but of course, if they were, you know, if they were doing anything in relation to the transmission of the data, they would absolutely be breaking, I, I imagine, quite a number of um, uh, laws that, that, that they've uh, agreed to. Yeah. Um, yeah. Crazy stuff. Great, 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 great stuff, Rob. Thanks for the, thanks for the update. No problem. Uh, that wasn't the only weird thing happening around Ferrari. Um, so Leclerc, like drivers were available this past week to media cause they were there for the Australian GP. We probably won't get uh, good gossip like this in the coming weeks, but uh, Leclerc uh, was sort of, they asking questions about his future at Ferrari, uh, what Vettel's future might be. And Leclerc just puts out there, I'm very good with him by my side. But I also respect Ferrari's decision in case they want to change, uh, which I love just putting it out there like out of, out of the blue being like, you know, I would get it. 
If Ferrari wanted to, <laughs> Ferrari wanted to let Seb go, I would understand. Uh, you know, I'm here for five years. Happy to drive alongside whoever, but if tough decisions have to be made and Seb has to be shown the door, I I get that. Uh, and then Cyril, uh, Cyril Abitable, team principal for uh, Renault, was also on, I think, like a French radio program, uh, the, the Grill. And Le Grill. He was asked about Vettel's future and whether he might land at Renault if they don't make things work with Ricardo, which I'm not sure is a real thing. Like, it feels to me like this entire thing is performance around Ricardo that, yeah. like, they're... Does anyone think it's Ricardo's fault? <laughs> no, I, no, I don't think they do, but I think the entire Ricardo might leave Renault at the, at the end of the season thing, I think, to an extent, is face-saving. Like I think Renault's making a big public concern about damn we're just we're not sure we can keep keep Daniel we we so badly want to make it work and Daniel's sort of saying like I love being at Renault but I don't know I kind of want a competitive car which nobody really thought was in the cards for this year I just don't think Daniel has great options and yeah. I feel like this entire thing is about like demonstrating that Renault appreciates the sacrifice Daniel made by coming to Renault and uh, vice versa but anyway. So he was asked. Cyril was asked the hypothetical about if they lose Daniel, would Seb perhaps be someone they bring on board? And Cyril, Jesus, help yourself, man! <laughs> I don't want to say no, as he is a great driver and a great champion. We worked together on the engine side, and we won together. But I rather aspire to work with tomorrow's drivers rather than yesterday's. It really is very difficult to sum it up like that, so please don't sum it up like that about Sebastian. Cyril, you just did. You just did. That's like, that's like in an interview where somebody like, you know, somebody says something to you on the record they shouldn't have, and then is immediately like, that's off the record. It's like, no, it's not how that works. Uh, but it's so funny to me that everyone is speaking around uh, Vettel like he's this marked man. Maybe he is, uh, but it's just, it's... Very surprising the degree to which his stock has plummeted in these last couple of years. Yes, totally. Uh, so there was some racing this weekend. Hell yeah. Uh, I mean, hey, global lockdown, quarantine, like this is esports time to shine. Yeah, baby. Um, and one of the places, oddly enough, one of the few places where you can say esports are actually really comparable to the real thing in some meaningful ways is... Uh, like sim racing, you know, a lot of current generation drivers are big sim racers, uh, mm. and a lot of the highest fidelity sims do pr- like do produce an experience uh, that reproduces a lot of the technique and nuances of actually driving a race car. Uh, so there were a number of esports events uh, that ran this weekend. Uh, the one that I tuned into was the one uh, being put on that uh, Verstappen was a part of. That one uh, was that it was one. The race was that the YouTube channel? Yeah. The race, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Uh, and that one, I watched it. Was, it was good. That one I, I watched. And I actually thought it was pretty enjoyable. Uh, they had an interesting format. They did a series of uh, short race heats uh, to sort of call down the field for a qualifying session then they did a fast like i think it's a one lap quality 
and then did, they did you see how they split those up the three heats yeah it was like real racers sim racers what was the third category it was yeah real like racers sim yeah it was, like it was kind civilians. of like am- amateur sim racers or whatever yeah uh and I think they had a qualifying event before that that people yeah. just the fastest ones they put into that race it was cool. They, I was I was confused why they didn't do it on Albert Park though. They did the Nurburgring, right? Well, the question is: Does does R Factor Two have Albert oh, Park? And maybe not. The nature of R Factor, from what I understand about the R Factor ecosystem, at least it was like this for R Factor One. Probably you could get Albert Park in oh, yeah. R Factor. Do you have the <laughs> license to run in a competitive gaming event for money? Uh, the Albert Park module or whatever for for R Factor, but I don't they know. Were old they were cars racing, as well. They? they were like 20, 2012 F one cars. I think they were as well. Yeah, they weren't contemporary ones, right? Uh, but they were running in R Factor two, uh, and they were they were they were racing old. Uh, I'm not even sure they were were they officially F one cars or uh, no, they're not. not. They're like yeah. Formula, you know, something else. Speed, yeah. yeah. But it was it was a spec sim race, uh, let let us say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that one was pretty good. A lot of uh, a lot of actual drivers were competing in that one. Um, mm. It was there was an interesting knowledge gap where pretty much all your current racers do some sim racing. It sounds like, but they don't all race on the same sim some guys are just racing on the on their teams like proprietary actual sim software because like that's what's relevant uh but others like are are in i racing some do r factor too uh so it's kind of split that way as well and the commentators one of whom was uh julianne palmer were talking about that sort of uh knowledge gap among the racers where a lot of guys were adjusting on the fly to the ways that R factor is different from what they're used to. It was also really interesting to see how much cleaner the sim racers were than the, uh, than the pros in part because they've already internalized all of this, you know, all the particulars. And so there were a lot of pros who one were absolutely treating it more like a game. Uh, they were absolutely like doing vintage Verstappen dives uh, down the inside of a turn where you don't have a prayer of making it. Uh, we were seeing a fair bit of that, uh, whereas the sim racers had really good etiquette. But here's the other funny thing. Not a lot of passing. It was striking yeah. the degree to which the cleaner like sim racers only race also featured... A, a pretty serious dearth of overtaking and uh it sort of highlights i think the problems of if you are sim racing open wheel racing you start simming some of the worst dynamics of open wheel racing and like <laughs> these guys could not edge past each other uh very well that one but that that race the, the one uh, that ran on the race youtube channel was interesting to me Drew, I tried to watch uh, the not the Australian GP mm-hmm. uh, sim racing event. I think that one they're running F1 2019. The stream I watched was pretty bad. Uh, yeah. Like it was having all sorts of technical problems and I kind of gave up. Did, oh, you, really? did you stick with it? Did they did they get a good race together? They they finally did, and man, like I'll tell you, being like a video producer, especially one that has done a lot of live <laughs> stuff, I just it was so. I like felt, uh, you know, that sort of embarrassment for someone else. Yeah. Like it just, I just cringed so much. 
Um, so I, I actually left that stream and went to Lando Norris's stream instead because uh, yeah. he was racing in it. Um, and he is uh, an His stream was way better. Uh, streamer himself. Yeah, so uh, I stuck with him most of the time. I had both of them open. The uh, official one had like 30,000 viewers, but Lando had over 70. Um, which I think he was number one on Twitch at that time. Which is oh my cool. God. That's amazing. Um, and he was very excited about it, of course, being <laughs> as such a, an online kid as he is. Mm. Um, Meme Lord. He, yeah, he, uh, he got disqualified from qualifying because he stopped in the pit lane. No. Like he blocked the entrance to the pit lane because he was like trying to, I don't know, do a, a practice start or something. Um, <laughs> so he started at the back of the grid but like that was kind of fun because he you know you got to see him work his way through the field and he actually had some 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 fun uh you know overtakes and stuff he actually at the start he the uh the lights went off and he like gunned it past everybody but it was the formation lap he was confused oh, no. that it was the real lap <laughs> uh so yeah it's pretty good we will put links to the r factor race the f1 2019 race um and uh, uh, the uh, the NASCAR race that happened in iRacing, um, but You're bearing bearing the lead here, Drew. What the biggest the biggest race of them all? The NASCAR race? No, the one <laughs> underneath it. Oh yeah, uh, the, the Shift F1 fans also organized a uh, a race in F1 2019. Hmm. Uh, I don't know how that turned out. It's good. I, I tuned in for a little bit. I was uh, in between a bunch of stuff as, we, you know, life was kind of being a little bit weird around then. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah I, I tuned in for a little bit on one of the streams. I think we retweeted one or two of them as well from the uh, Shift Up One Twitter account. Uh, looked like people were having fun. That's the most important thing. I wish I, yeah, I don't know who won or anything, but uh, they should uh, they should be very proud of themselves. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll do some more in the future. Yeah, uh, if you're if you're interested in, in looking at this stuff, we'll try to keep uh, on top of it. But I mean, um, Norris and Verstappen are the ones that stream the most. They're actually, as we record, they are in a race right now in iRacing, wow. uh, racing uh, Porsches, I believe. Um, they, those two, and Antonio Felix da Costa, who was mm. also in the R Factor race, uh, he's a Formula E driver. Um, they are all part of the same esports racing team called Team Redline. So you could also follow them on Twitter, I guess, if you want to be kept abreast of, of their uh, their races. But yeah, I was really impressed with the production of the R Factor race. Yeah, it was really good. God, you could tell they'd done it before. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like graphics, replays, like very impressive. The F1 professional, professional race, commentators. That's right. Yeah. So it was Julian Palmer. It was um, another uh, uh, an esports uh, commentator called Renee Butler, and then Jack Nichols, who does yeah Jack uh, Nichols, uh, Formula E, and you may also recognize his voice from a lot of Drive to Survive as well. He does yeah. BBC Radio. Uh, F1 coverage. <laughs> yeah, he does the stuff on Drive to Survive when they need pickups recorded yes. to contextualize things, but it's not actually. And Fernando real. Alonso comes in yeah. fifth. It's it's good. It's it's like totally world breaking if you actually watch any <laughs> F1 though, because you know he recorded that after the fact. Nobody but said it's, that it's a, on a broadcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a nice touch. Uh, the, the NASCAR one was pretty good too. It it, it featured um, it was like half real NASCAR drivers were like oh, cool. drivers from the NASCAR ecosystem. A few of them were from right. like the Cup Series, which is the top series. But then like a few from Xfinity, a few from Trucks, which was yeah. cool. And then the rest of them were. Um, like crew chiefs and real life spotters. In fact, oh, Dale wow. Earnhardt Jr. and his spotter were both no. in the race, and his spotter he met on iRacing, who then became oh, his real before. life spotter in NASCAR. 
so they were both in the race um and uh his his spotter did way better than than junior did (laughs) (laughs) so i will say the thing that really jumped out at me with um both iRacing and f1 2019 is observer tools need to be way way better um because like even so there were there were a couple things like with the r factor one uh you had the problem where the commentators were watching they they're doing their own observing they were watching their own feed basically mm-hmm. and weren't seeing what the the observers were showing the actual yeah. uh, what we call the world feed what the, what the stream was saying and so like the stream was oh. catching some wild accidents and the commentators weren't and so there were times that like you would see multi-car pileups and the commentators wouldn't catch it they would just note a few seconds later that the entire like back order of the field was reshuffled and <laughs> uh, be a bit confused about it the uh, but i think the the bigger thing was even with the observers sort of using in-game camera tools to cycle between what car they're observing and going to fixed camera positions uh, this is one of those things where it feels to me like you need to have some dedicated observer tools mm. for casting these things. Because one of the things that effective racing broadcasts do is, in addition to making it pretty, making it observable, like what the overall state of play is on the track, I, I wish they showed the track map more often in broadcasts. But still, with the way shots are laid out, you can sort of understand the geography of the track. Uh, as cars are going around it. With the R-Factor one, those sort of fixed position shots and like squirrel cam shots didn't really exist. And those are really useful for developing a sense for the flow of the track. Mm. And instead, it what the R-Factor one felt a lot more like was, um, you know, when an endurance race goes to night racing and they just start going to fixed camera positions because all the camera yeah. people have gone home that's kind of how it yeah. felt yeah uh varying degrees of production value i would say but um generally i felt like it was it was uh you know like 10 percent of what i was looking forward to um <laughs> with an actual yeah. grand yeah. prix so it was a little bit like okay this is this is nice <laughs> yeah i'll take what i can get yeah uh so speaking of a lot of canceled races and uh filling in danny taking what you'll get yeah do you wanna (laughs) do you wanna sort of outline what the next few weeks look for us sure yeah we're kind of we're you know everything's evolving at the moment everything we don't know what's gonna happen with the season um but we're we're excited to be here with all you folks we love doing this um and uh we're gonna keep at it so we're, we're trying to think of what to do Sort of uh, to to not only keep uh, on top of the news, but also to do podcasts that are interesting and fun for people, um, but also to cover things that people can get involved in. So we had a big brainstorm and uh, we were talking to people on Discord as well. And uh, folks have been emailing and suggestions and stuff about what we should do. And what we've decided to do is... To basically, uh, we're we're going to almost the way we normally do this podcast, which is that we have you know a general news episode like this uh, slash post race, and then we'll have like a uh, or, or you know we'll have news, and then we'll be talking about a race the next week, and then usually it's news again, and then talking about how the race went. And um, what we're going to do is similarly, we're going to have every second week we'll have a podcast which is predominantly news, and in in space of the post-race chats that we usually do um 
we're going to do uh, the type of podcast we have traditionally only done for patrons, which is uh, reviewing a movie or TV show. What we're actually going to do is we're just going to do reviews of the Drive to Survive season two, because a lot of people, we felt like we were thinking about covering races and we felt like, well, that that's kind of behind a more significant paywall for people if they need to get F1 TV or some parts of the world don't have it. It seems like most people who listen to this podcast have access to Netflix or have already watched Drive to Survive or maybe they're going to get Netflix now that, you know, everyone's going to be indoors and and trying to um, uh, entertain themselves a bit more so this isn't sponsored by netflix anyway um and we we, it was we thought it was the thing that would be the most fun that would also most people would have access to so uh we're still going to do patron only podcasts so those will still come so anyone who's a patron will still get access to that it just won't be drive to survive which we were planning on doing uh, for patrons Uh, so what we're going to do over the next six weeks basically is next week we're going to cover the first three episodes of Drive to Survive Season 2. Then we'll do a news podcast like this one. Uh, we'd also, you know, after the Drive to Survive is done and that podcast, we'll also catch people up with any F1 news that has happened that week as well. Um, and then we're going to do that back and forth for, you know, uh, the next couple of weeks. We'll do episodes 1, 2, and 3, the first one. Then uh, on the two podcasts later, we'll do th- uh, 4, 5, and 6. And then the final podcast, which will be six weeks from now, I guess, will be the final four episodes because there's 10 in the season so it'll be three three four so uh yeah if you're interested if you haven't watched drive to survive um this would be a great opportunity to watch the first three episodes for next week uh and if you haven't or you've no access to it well we're going to tell you what happened in it so <laughs> it should hopefully work for everyone uh in that respect and then we'll also have as planned we'll have patroni podcasts and also video stuff hitting uh youtube.com slash shift f1 if you want to check that stuff out too Cool. Yeah, I mean, um, having already watched season two of Drive to Survive, oh, uh, it's so, it's so good. good. So I'm I'm looking oh. forward to to watching it again, taking notes, and and just discussing with you guys because we haven't talked about it at all. No, I haven't. Re- I haven't actually good. talked about it with anyone. So I just I need to get it out. <laughs> I need to. I, I think I watched. Discuss. I think I watched the whole thing in the first two days, maybe yeah. three. I had the whole thing I, because I knew we were going to rewatch it for something uh, what i thought at the time was going to be a patreon only podcast and i was so looking forward to rewatching it um it's super super good um yeah that that should be a lot of fun so one to three make sure you watch that for next week's uh should we take it to some emails danny absolutely yeah keep sending in your emails shift f1 podcast at gmail.com or go to f1.cool slash emails we had a lot of emails this week as we tend to do for the first race unfortunately i would say 90 percent of them are redundant now (laughs) considering we didn't actually get a race um but we do have some interesting uh, little uh tidbits to go through here uh the first of which uh i'm gonna go to i think oh no i was i maybe i'm gonna read this one uh Actually, Drew, do you mind taking the the one I have down for you here, number two? I feel like we got more emails about this than anything else. Okay, yeah. Um, so this is from Andrew Scott. Uh, the <laughs> the email is entitled Marble Madness, which is a reference I really enjoy. Uh, Andrew says, I saw this and thought it might be a good diversion until racing is back. Uh, you might have seen it, but if not, hopefully it makes you laugh. Um, there is also a, a one-off one uh there is also one off-road one as well if you need a slalom fix can't wait uh until you are you and racing are back uh andrew then linked us to um marbula one oh my god i've watched so much of this have you really oh god it's i don't know why 
Yeah. It's, like I, a, it's just a pachinko machine, basically. I mean, so what I was saying about, like, scratching the itch just, like, 10%, this I feel like might even do it a little more because this is of four how... percent. <clears throat> this is like how uh, dedicated they are to the production value of like making it seem like a race. There's qualifying, there's commentary. There, can, can you just top level explain to people okay, what I'm we're sorry. talking about? <laughs> uh, it's marbles. It is marbles racing around what looks like an F1 track, but it's like made of plastic. Uh, it, it's made of plastic that like. Makes me think that there is an industry out there that makes parts for, and, and sells this to Marvel fanatics. Because not, not only just is, going it to a, Home is it a, yeah, it's not like a home built thing. It is this is real. It's a track, and then um, it, it has at the at the beginning of it, uh, or right before <laughs> right before the start finish line, a uh, like an elevator, kind of like you're on a roller coaster that takes you up to the top. Uh, it takes the marbles up to the top, so you get like you know ten laps or something. Um, uh, and there's commentary and there are team names and there's an audience like of marbles in grandstands. <laughs> it's hilarious. And like the dedication to the joke is really, really strong. It's very, yeah, they take, it's so straight. Everything is played so straight. I watched one that was, uh, that was on a beach where somebody had just impromptu made one like really long on a beach, uh, including like crosses like you know where, yeah. the, where you could diverge left like or right yeah it, totally it was like point to point it was absolutely bananas i know i'd never heard of this before and then suddenly it felt like the entire internet was tweeting us yes. videos of this stuff yes uh, yeah <laughs> beautiful so check them out in the show notes um if, if, i have an email here from i was just gonna uh, mention Danny, oh, sorry. sorry if you want some more things to uh just like racing content for you. Um, Lando Norris was on uh, Formula One's official podcast, Beyond the Grid. I haven't listened to it yet, but uh, I'm very looking forward to it. Uh, I do love me some Lando. Uh, also, MotoGP has released its top 10 races for free on their awesome. website. So we will we will put links uh, to all of that in the show notes. Perfect. Uh, I got one email from Evan in Tacoma. Um, which uh, will include the image uh, in the show notes too. He says, hello, shift heads. Not sure I'm a big fan of that one. I like that. Uh, (laughs) A friend who thought he was going to be part of the catering staff for the Australian Grand Prix sent me this video of an empty grandstand while walking home from their cancelled shift, obviously hoping things get back to normal soon as they possibly can be. Uh, The thought of all uh, this uh, uh, is heartbreaking. Stay safe. And that's from Evan in Tacoma. Uh, yeah, uh, it's a little, it's all, it's a GIF actually that uh, the link is. Uh, stick it in the show notes there. It's uh, um, just interesting to see people on the ground. Just imagine going up to turn up for work for something like that and then being sent home. It's just, it, it's so crazy that they were they even arrived. It's, it's so late. Like it was really an 11th hour thing. It's It's incredible when you think about it. Yeah, it's kind of eerie. Yeah, it's super eerie. Well, especially when you consider just like how devastating some of the stories, particularly coming out of like Italy, have been yes. around this. Like the costs for getting this wrong are so extraordinarily high, uh, and there is so much like trauma and pain like associated with mishandling a public health crisis like this. And even if well handled, uh, it still has the capacity to pretty massively overwhelm uh, even good health systems. The notion that 
the notion that it came that close that this person was was going to cater a, an event right like that's right like we we were that close to having a situation with uh you know tens of thousands of people a lot of whom uh you know elbow to elbow in communal eating spaces uh it's just it's just wild to me that it got to that point yeah absolutely crazy um rob do you want to take this next email yeah uh this email comes from jd uh rossberg versus lando vlogs character study <laughs> hey could you guys do a character analysis for me on nico rossberg's and lando norris's youtube channels in particular why the former makes me want to run out of the room screaming and the latter is instantly enjoyable and charming they're essentially doing the same thing so this is very confusing for me <laughs> so do you have you guys have you guys researched this i have i i have done a lot of uh nico rosberg every once in a while sometimes i'll be sitting you know 12 o'clock at night with a whiskey and i'll just say what do i want to watch now and i'll check in on nico rosberg's <laughs> youtube channel and it's always just a bamboozling it's kind of like watching your dad yes. rap you know it's mm-hmm. like lando pulls it off because lando is the meme <clears throat> lord and he's an internet king and he is of that generation. But there's something about Nico Rosberg, especially, I think, Lando Norris, like, is, understands that fine line of, like, doing the work, but, like, not being too self-serious. Whereas I feel like Nico Rosberg is, like, a 2014 YouTube vlogger who has, like, the emoji uh, thumbnail you know, yeah. the like shocked face thumbnail, and it's and also he's like twenty years older than Lando. <laughs> yeah, so it just feels I look, like whatever. I look at it, and uh, my suspicion is even Ro- even the Rosberg isn't that old. Lando's what what's called like a digital native, right? Like he right, grew yeah. up with these technologies and sort of living life online in a way that. Rosberg likely did not. And even though Rosberg's of an age to have led much more of an online life than like a lot of uh, other drivers who preceded him, there, there's still a, di- you know, there's there's a lot of people our age who just aren't into any of this shit and uh, social media and all this stuff is, is completely foreign to them because, well, we got sorted into the nerd bucket for various reasons, uh, you know, informative <laughs> years they did not. And ended up like missing a lot of these things and the weird conventions that, that grow up around them. Rossberg. Um, I feel, I feel a little bit bad for him because to a degree, I, I think he typifies sort of your, your try hard character in a lot of ways as well. Mm. Um, there is, and I felt this a little bit about with him, about him with, when he was racing in F one as, as well. He, there, there is uh, something about him that, even if he is being genuine, it doesn't come across as genuine and heartfelt in the same way that I think a lot of other drivers sort of have that knack for for coming across well and having that charisma. And I think then his attempts to really embrace overproduced, uh, like, get yeah. hype YouTube aesthetics end up really <laughs> turning you off. Like, his his videos where he goes to a Grand Prix are really tough to watch because it is all, like, 
it is a bit like your dad just figured out how to do these effects in Premiere, and so he's just like spamming these effects into the video. He's like, "Look, I can I can superimpose a transparent image. Holy shit! I'm just gonna do that now." Uh, that's kind of how his videos come across. Whereas Lando is kind of a natural, and he's basically creating content around what he already does, which is shoot the shit that's, and yeah. uh, play games. Which is a good point, because Nico Rosberg was never that guy. Nico Rosberg was like, he wasn't Valtteri Bottas or Kimi Raikkonen, but he was pretty serious. Yeah. Like, he, he wasn't, like, this fun-loving, you know, you know, bon vivant or whatever that, like, some of them are. Um, he was on the other side of the scale, so yeah. it did seem kind of a little bit out of character. If you like Valtteri Bottas suddenly started, like, right. doing, like, uh, What's up, guys? It's yeah, Valtteri yeah. Bottas. No, oh, I, you can't. What up, guys? It's Kimi... <laughs> these guys all have so shit. much free time i that, know right god i mean what's gonna happen what are the odds that some of them take up really ill-advised online hobbies <laughs> that, oh, maybe Gro- maybe grojama will write another book there is a really cute picture of him like sitting at his kitchen table with uh like children's homework in front of him ready <laughs> to be like professor grojan <laughs> You know what? I bet some of them are actually really happy they get to spend. Like we heard Kimmy going back home, right? Yeah, like, he's like peace out. Yeah, like if you, I remember hearing interviews with him about like what's the hardest thing about being an F one driver, and he was like being away from home. Like by far, I have a big family. Like he's got that big plot of land. He has his, you know, he's got his motorbike track in the back. Like he, I, I bet like it's really difficult to be away, especially in Australia and like somebody at the start of the season they're in China and Australia and like they're all over the place, right? So. I, I bet in a way some of them are not considering the circumstances, but I bet they're happy, you know, to to be spending a bit more time with their kids and, and partners. Well, it's it's a tough thing because a lot of these guys, you're working what you're you're doing what was a dream job for many years, right? Like a lot of these guys yeah, fought yeah. and clawed their way into it against a lot of, you know, even if you're born to privilege, uh, it is still tough to actually get and keep an F1 racing seat, right? Like it, yeah. like. It is tough to manage to do that without being the son of the person who owns the team, basically. <laughs> uh, but even there, uh, a lot of, like when they ex- when they continued to talk about expanding the F one calendar, you did realize how many F one drivers, even if they still like the sport, low key didn't like how much the sport has begun to take out of their lives at the stage, yeah. and so. I think it's this weird thing where there's a lot of drivers who were, who probably are more than happy that they're not going to be racing quite this much this year. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that is, and that is something I think long-term the sport probably has to wrestle with. Right. Uh, I remember a couple of weeks ago, uh, I was reading about Esteban Ocon, uh, talking about what his gap year was like just as a reserve driver. And right. saying that it was just this ridiculous schedule of, you know, running tests for Mercedes and being on call, et cetera. Um, and I think that's that's something that is a very real factor for a lot of drivers. And I am curious how it's going to play for this incoming generation who are subjected to so much scrutiny and are already it's one thing where you started your career with a less intensive schedule and that kept growing over over a number of years but like i wonder if burnout starts hitting these guys faster uh given mm. that you get an f1 and it's already this hyper serious thing from from the jump that goes for 22 races 
Uh, this last email comes in from Parnell, and it's uh, something we heard a lot of people talking about, uh, which is uh, the game, the F1 game, for a number of reasons, uh, the official game. Uh, Parnell says, after watching Drive to Survive Season 2 and listening to a bunch of pinball podcasts... Pinball podcasts? Yeah, pinball. I assume this marble stuff is definitely down his lane. <laughs> um, I assume there should be some F1 podcasts, and sure enough... Uh, here we are. Great podcast. I started with the 2020 Primer and was perfect to get into the swing of things. Um, his question is about the F1 2020 game. Do you think this will release around June 2020 like the last version did? Thank you for the great podcast. Yeah, I did some research into this. First of all, if you're listening to this right after we published the episode, um, the F1 game is actually free to play on Steam at the moment, but only for another, as we're recording, like two days. So you probably have like a day and change on it. Um, they also also have a sale on for the official game if you want to pick it up uh, it's like 70% off on Steam at the moment I think it's on sale on consoles as well I don't know for how much but you can get the game for about 18 bucks so last year's game came out June 25th um, 2019 uh, I scoured the Codemasters uh, official and the official Formula 1 game Twitter feeds to see if there's been any update on it nothing's been said I would say they are hard locked in to that date in the way that lots of official games are. Um, a lot of these studios, basically every game studio right now is working from home. So I'm expecting there to be lots of delays just generally in terms of game releases in 2020. But something tells me that they probably don't want to miss this window if they can help us because of the deal they have with F1. So... I'd say it's probably got a 50-50 chance of, re- of landing around that same time. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it slipped maybe two or three weeks. Um, also, with what's going on with the season, who knows if they tactically decide to change when it comes out as well. But it, uh, from what I've heard, it's still being worked on, and it, I, I don't believe that they were planning on doing an early release this year. This mid-season thing seems to be kind of where they're at. All right. Uh, thank you, everyone, yeah. for your emails. Shift F1 podcast at gmail.com or f1.cool slash emails. Uh, you can also hit us up on Twitter at Shift F1 podcast. I'm at Drew Scanlon. That's at Danny O'Dwyer and at Rob Zachney. Uh, that is us around the internet. Do you want to take it around the world of racing, Danny? Sure, Drew. Uh, let's, uh, <clears throat> how are we going to do this? I feel like I have to change it. How about <clears throat> not racing around the world? <laughs> Stay at home. That's right. Uh, a few racing series had started already. Formula E, NASCAR, and uh, the World Rally Championship. Um, but those, along with practically every other major racing series, uh, has been suspended. Uh, MotoGP and IndyCar currently scheduled to begin in early May. NASCAR set, set to uh, resume in early May. Super Formula to begin in mid-May. World Rally Championship to resume in late May. The Isle of Man TT, which was in early June, has been canceled. Uh, though the 24 Hours of Le Mans is still on for mid-June, at time of recording again, uh, which is also when Formula E is set to resume uh, in, in late June. The only one still that seems to be going is uh, Supercars, um they held their qualifying event at albert park uh ahead of the formula one race but uh it was postponed before the races could start so their next event is scheduled for april 3rd through 5th so that that i guess is another option if you want to spend some money and get their um uh, streaming package supercars is a fun time uh and they actually the commentaries are really good they do a really good job of being 
that perfect blend between, you know, uh, you know, not dumbing it down, but still making it mm. accessible to new viewers. So that could be something you could even go and you could do this with a number of other ones. Um, I, I'll link again to our off season. Uh, let me make a note yes. here. Um, Good chef. Our, uh, yeah, we have an off you put up a blog post with off season sort of stuff. You can watch like good archival stuff, right? MotoGP is one I always go back to. Yeah. Once the season's kind of over or half over, I usually binge a bunch of them on that, on that service. Yeah. So if you want to go back and watch the 2019 season to things like MotoGP or supercars, um, or, you know, if you miss the W series or <clears throat> anything like that, we have <clears throat> a, we have a whole, uh, 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 page with links to all of those things. Some of them are free. Some of them are not. Uh, I think NASCAR and IndyCar both have their stuff up on YouTube for free, which is cool. Cool. Um, so yeah, we will link that uh, as well. So, uh, yeah. Anything else, uh, from you, Danny? No, I, I, I just hope everyone's doing okay. Wherever you are in the world, it seems like it's a different situation and different parts of the globe. Um, yeah, just, you know, hope you're doing all right out there. Um, Happy to be still doing this podcast. Happy to be doing something to take your mind off of everything, to take our minds off of everything. And yeah. to, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to talking about Drive to Survive. We're planning on doing it anyway. So I, I'm even more excited now to do it on, on the main feed. And of course, we'll keep you up to date with all uh, relevant news every week as well. Yeah. Rob? I'm just hoping this is the year. This is the year that uh, sim racing esports really gets its act together, and uh, we rush out some good observer mode patches, and we can just smoothly transition. We can just smoothly catch that esports wave. Finally, I, I feel like Kubica Watch has turned into esports watch. Oh man, I'll bet he could dominate. I'll bet he could. <laughs> oh no, he's gonna merge the two. You know, uh, who, you know what? You know what? Audience really likes energy drinks. Gamers. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get Robbie you know on the blower. You know it's one of the biggest and like most reliable markets for esports? Poland. Yeah, okay. totally. It's all coming together. The stars are aligning for Bobby K. They certainly are. Uh, if you'd like to support the show, you can do so at patreon.com slash shift F1. Have a good race weekend, everyone. E-race weekend, as, as the case may be. Uh, we will see you all next week. Mm.